welcome to the Earn Your Happy Podcast. I'm Lori Harder, founder of The Bliss Project, three-time fitness world champion, fitness expert, and cover model turned self-love junkie, lifestyle entrepreneur, and author. Each week, I'll bring you a guest or a thought that will help you bust through your fears, connect to your soul, and get focused and clear so you can elevate your life, business, and relationships. We don't wait until we're ready for someone to tell us we're good enough. We take what we want and we anoint ourselves. Get ready to earn, own, and unapologetically rock your happiness every single day. Are you with me? Here we go. Welcome back to the Earn Your Happy Podcast. And you guys, if you are feeling isolated, if you're feeling like you don't have a tribe of women, like-minded people to really help you transcend from where you are right now into the person that you know you are being called to be, or maybe you're getting that soul calling and you're not quite answering it yet and it's turning more into a scream and it's starting to make you feel even more awful than the thought of facing the fear around doing that actual thing. If you're in any of these positions, you have to join me this year at The Bliss Project. It is March 2nd through the 4th in Newport Beach, California, and it is going to be a life-changing weekend. If you've been wanting to bust through your fears and really meet a like-minded tribe of people, this is exactly where you must be. If you're feeling called to this, I want you to go check it out at theblissproject.info right now. It's also in the show notes. And who is this event for? You guys, I really want to get clear on if you're feeling called to it, I want to make sure that you know what is going to go on there. So if you have always had a desire to do something big, but you've always been afraid to follow through, if you feel like you don't have the tools or the expertise to take the next step, if you wish you had that tribe of supportive people, if you're ready to take that next step into the next level, but you have no idea what that's even supposed to look like, or if you just want to feel more fully alive each day. And this is absolutely for you if you want a deeper connection and understanding in your relationships, if you want to become more fulfilled in your own job that you have right now and in daily tasks, if you want to know the true desires of your soul. And if you're ready to enjoy the journey just as much as the destination. And truly, if you are feeling called to expand your spiritual connection, we're going to be doing some incredible exercises, meditations. We have some awesome teachers who are going to come in and really give you the space to understand what that feels like for you. Because for everyone, it's so different. But to be able to do it together uh, makes you feel even more connected than you've ever felt before. So if you're interested in meditation, if you want to create a solid foundation for all of your goals and dreams to be built on, or if you just need a mental reset, a confidence booster, and to really own your own personal power. You guys, this is the place that you want to be. So there are still some tickets left, but they sell out fast. You guys in this year will be the best bliss project that we've ever done. We have a really amazing team working on it and we're adding so many more things than we have ever done in prior years because I know that when I get the opportunity to put epic women into a room. I want magical things there so that you guys can truly have the tools to create your own amazing transformation and experiences. And you guys, what happens there is nothing short of miraculous. So if you're ready to create your transformation, if you're ready to step in, if you're ready to have your tribe, this is where you want to be. And I hope that you join us and that I get to meet you and hug you and see you there. So theblissproject.info. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to today's podcast. You know, this podcast has been one of the biggest blessings in my life because it has brought in some of the most incredible people into my world. And I'm sure you guys feel the same way about podcasts and books is it's such a beautiful way to get introduced into mentors into your life. And this person has become such an incredible business and life mentor for me. And that is Lewis Howes. And I am thrilled and honored to interview him today. He is a New York 
York Times bestselling author. He's built a multi-million dollar online media company and he speaks all over the world. He advises billion dollar brands receiving media praise from places like Details Magazine being one of the five internet gurus who can make you rich and much more. Something about Lewis that I love that you guys will feel come through on this podcast and everything that he does is he's a firm believer in living in a beautiful state and really about the journey you experience and the lives that you impact are the most important even over what you do or what you've accumulated. And that is one of the reasons that he's such a huge mentor in my life is everything that Lewis does is always about service first. How can I help you? How can I serve you? And that's become such a uh, a leading light in my life or a way that I lead, a way that I think because of the way that he speaks. So he's committed to impacting 100 million lives and teaching people how to pursue that dream that burns inside of them. And you guys, he does this through his podcasts, his videos, his books, his online courses, his live events, which I've been to, and they're absolutely amazing. We are in Lewis Howe's Mastermind. I'm sure you've heard me mention that, which is the Greatness Mastermind. It's absolutely awesome. Met so many incredible people who have been guests on this podcast. He also has his School of Greatness podcast and a new book out that has totally rocked my world. So you guys definitely go check out his book, The Mask of Masculinity, and we will put that link in the show notes because if you have any men in your life or if you have any men that you work for or work with or if you have sons, this is absolutely a book that you want to read because I believe that uh, living a great life is having a beautiful understanding of yourself and those around you. And this book really not only helped me understand my husband and the men in my life better, but I found myself throughout the entire book. So I think that we are far more alike than we give ourselves uh, credit to than we talk about. So you guys go check that book out for sure. And I know that you're going to hear so many incredible stories in this podcast. So let's get started. Lewis, I'm so excited to have you here. We are actually in the flesh, you guys. Like this doesn't happen very often. Yes. So very it's, pumped. Yeah, it's really cool because you can actually I feel like you can actually feel when people are in the room with you when you're interviewing. Yeah, because I can always tell, obviously, your interview. I feel like you can ask a lot deeper questions. So I have the hardest yeah. questions here for you. Bring it. I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready. OK, but I want people to know if they're not familiar with you. Kind of just give me a little bit of your backstory. Yeah, um, I used to be a professional football player and always wanted to play pro sports, got injured, started getting into business um, around 24 and eight, nine years later, I'm where I'm at now. I don't know. I, I started getting into social media marketing early on and kind of building an audience and learning that game. I sold a company and started the podcast, the School of Greatness, almost five years ago, which had no clue what it was going to do. I just wanted mm. to do a weekly show where I interviewed successful friends and it, it kind of took off. It was before podcasting was really big and mainstream and that led to a an academy that people were like we want more information you know can you coach us on other things than just this free podcast so i started developing courses for my audience then a book and then you know i was like i want to bring my community together so i did an event and it just keeps growing with cool fun things i get to play with to try to make an impact for people mm, i love that so yeah. lewis Watching your career, kind of all the things that you've done, you've done things that just kind of, first of all, naturally, I kind of feel like it naturally flows into these areas. Mm -hmm. um, but how do people know? How did you know? Do you feel like you're an intuitive person or do you think these things just came up? Or? I research a lot. Yeah. I'm studying a lot of what okay. people are doing, what's working, what's not working. And I feel like from being an athlete, I've always had a really good vision of like court or field awareness. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that. It's like I always knew where to go. Mm. Like I saw the empty space in the field as opposed to like the space where there's three defenders. I like went to the space there wasn't a defender so I could catch the ball. Mm -hmm. We're making a football analogy here. And so I look at the empty space in the world. Mm -hmm. And I'm like before podcasting took off, I was like I just feel like that's where I need to go right now mm -hmm. because it's empty. Mm -hmm. And so let me just start going there before everyone else, you know, mm. jumps on me or before it's too much. 
and I think I'm I'm constantly looking of where is the puck going to be, where's the empty space in business, in the world, or in my life, you know, for the be health, relationships, things like that. I'm like, where's what's missing? And that's why when everyone you've been doing events for a while, so you get it, but when a lot of people in my industry were doing events and then they stopped. They stopped mm. doing them because they were like, it's too much work, it's so much energy, you don't make any money. And I was like, I think that's why I need to go do it then, mm. to reinvent it, to do it different than what people have been doing. And, um, and even though I didn't make any money the first two years, it was like something was magical about doing these events. Mm. And I was like, everyone was starting to self-publish books before I did my last book. Because they were like, well, you have control and you make all the money and this and this. But I was like, yeah, but you're not breaking out of like this internet marketing kind of, I don't know, world. You know, mm -hmm. people aren't taking you seriously. You're not as credible in the mainstream, which I find is more opportunities when you can be more mainstream friendly. So I said, I'm going to invest two or three years in writing a book that maybe doesn't make me any money mm -hmm. and I don't have control over fully like you would self-publishing, but it gave me different opportunities. Mm. And I think it opened my <clears throat> my brand up and my relationships up to be able to have access to interview more people that the other self-published authors wouldn't be able to do. Mm. Get the speaking gigs that the self-published authors wouldn't be able to get. Get the press, you know, things like that. So I'm always looking for where's the gap in the industry. And now I'm working on a documentary because mm. I'm like, there are a lot of money. It's a lot of work. It's mm -hmm. a lot of energy. It's just a lot. And it's a new space that people haven't learned how to navigate. They don't know how to sell a, a documentary to first how to do one and then sell one and, you know, get a distribution. But I'm like, well, I think that's where I need to be then. Mm. You know, since no one's done it really, except for a few people, that's where I need to go next. Mm -hmm. So I'm constantly thinking about it. I mean, thinking about like magazines, you know, as a lot of people are like magazines are dying or there's there's like millions of them, but it also sounds like they all are suffering. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, where's the gap mm -hmm. in a space that's like maybe a crowded space or something that's dying where people would say like traditional books were dying, but I was like, there's something there still. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm always looking for. Okay, so there's so much talk right now about going with <laughs> what, like, what feels good and going to find your purpose and following your soul. Yeah. But... I think especially because I kind of share the, the athlete thing with you, just the idea of there's going to be a lot of resistance and a lot of pain around sometimes the things that you really want to do. So how do you, do you picture the long game? Because I know that those things probably get stressful, boring, mm -hmm. hard. You can't see the end. Maybe it feels yeah. like a bad idea. It doesn't happen right so away. So how do you know to follow through with an idea? Do you follow through with all of them or what does that look like? I follow through with a lot of them. Yeah. And if, but I actually launched I was going to launch Greatness Magazine two years oh, yeah. ago. I don't remember. I didn't. remember you saying that. Yep. And we spent so much money on this in like six or eight months of our time. And then we just stopped it because I was like, all right, it doesn't feel right right uh, now. And I didn't want to force it. Yeah. So some things I'll stop if I feel like, you know, what, it's actually holding us back from all these other things that are more important. So let's focus on those and we'll come back to it. But I'm actually thinking about bringing it back because I feel like it's a good time. Um, but yeah, I pretty much fall through. And the bigger the investment I make, they usually fall through with it. Mm. Why is it a good time now? Why do you feel like it's a good time? Because I feel like there's not any good magazines. I don't know. There's no magazine that I read. Yeah. Did you used to pick up magazines all the time? Nah, I mean, when I was like 12, I'd want like basketball magazines or okay. whatever, you know, like sports magazines. Mm -hmm. But, and then maybe six, seven years ago, I'd read like Entrepreneur and Inc. and stuff like mm -hmm. that. But I feel like the information is online. So it's accessible. And I like to read shorter stuff or listen to stuff or watch a video. So mm -hmm. reading a whole magazine is kind of daunting. Mm -hmm. So at the airport, sometimes I'll get it mm. and like read it on a plane. But I'm like, what's the experience that's never been done in a magazine mm. that I could create? Hmm. What's the magazine that I would read? Do you know what that is yet? I have an idea, <laughs> but I haven't fully put my head around it yet because I've got so many other things I've been working on. Yeah. But that's the thing. It's like, you know, I think you have an event that's very similar to mine because you have an, create an experience that's unlike all these other, you know, female entrepreneur events out there. Mm -hmm. You do like a holistic whole, uh, you know, approach to everything with the senses and energy and teaching and group stuff and, you know, music. And you bring like all these elements together. Mm -hmm. Yoga, you like do things that most of these events don't do. And I think that's the, the thing we get to create is like, what's the thing that we would want to attend, mm -hmm. that we would want to read, that we would mm -hmm. want to listen to. 
not just being in noise in the space because we feel like we're supposed to do something, mm. but like, uh, so I'm always thinking about, okay, what the documentary that I would turn on. If I saw that image, the title, and I click play, what would I need to do to keep watching with my attention span? Mm. What's the, the interview that I would want to listen to on my podcast? So is that what you tell people to do, kind of to dig deeper and go through? Yeah. Like when you're coaching people? I know you've done so much for us where we yeah. just really sit and hash it out and think of what's kind of the next thing that you'd want to do, you know? What do you... I think, I mean, for me, I mean, personally, that's yeah. just something I've been... I think that's one of my gifts is like I've always been able to see what's possible for myself mm-hmm. and other people. Mm-hmm. Like it's so... It seems so clear to me what's possible for you and Chris. Mm-hmm. Just having a conversation down there, I was just like, I just know when you guys free up time on the, what we were talking about, I was like, your lives are going to be in a whole nother level mm. of freedom and abundance. Mm-hmm. Because right now, Tell even though you're making so much with this one thing you guys are working on, mm-hmm. it's holding back your energy, or at least Chris's, which is mm-hmm. holding back yours together totally. to create even more, mm-hmm. more abundance financially and more impact in everything with that thing and the other stuff you guys are working on. So for me... It's just so clear what needs to happen. Mm. It's interesting though, because a lot of us still have energy in certain places where resistance, as you could tell downstairs, I'm still holding on to of course. certain things. And, We're going to hold on to things yeah. because we want to have control. Mm. We want to do things. It's worked for this long for you, right? Six, seven years, this thing's worked and it's your baby and it's, it's, you know, you're a part of your identities. Identity, totally. And so letting go of it. Disappointing people is kind of my main thing. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> but who are you disappointing the most? Me. Exactly. Yeah. And so, and each other. And you're doing, you're disappointing the world because you're Mm -hmm. doing a disservice to what's possible for you guys. Mm -hmm. So I believe you're out of love. Um, you know, you're, you're disappointing your creator. Yeah. Because you're holding on to something so much as opposed to saying, okay, how can I be a little bit smarter and test it? Mm -hmm. And how can we create more abundance for people and really show the world what we're, what we're capable of. <laughs> I've literally said that sentence to people and really? it feels totally, <laughs> <laughs> I when you said it, I was like, it feels totally different coming at you, but so real and true. I was just like, Oh my God, I am. Yeah, it's yeah. true. It's just, it's, it's but I get there's fears, thing. there's scared, mm-hmm. you know, it's scary to let go of saying, well, what if it goes down? What if we don't make as much money? What if people are sad, hurt? They're going to be sad. You got to change. You got to evolve mm-hmm. and people are going to be hurt and upset and, their expectations are going to shift. So you're just going to have to communicate those new expectations Mm. if you want to grow. Yeah. It's so true. I mean, you know, I think that's the one thing that holds everybody back is they're always afraid they can't because this has been their life for so long. And, you know, we both shared that we're from the Midwest and sometimes that can be, you're so rooted in what your life should look like and what priorities. I mean, I've literally been told by my family to get your priorities straight. Like tons of times, like all the time. Right. (laughs) And, and it's like it's hard when they're like on welfare or struggling right. and overweight or stressed mm-hmm. out and going through divorce and you're like, well, I feel like I am doing my best, you know. So how do you, how did you transcend that with your family and friends? <sighs> um, I went through a lot of pain early on, like in my teens and twenties, because I had I constantly lost friends, mm-hmm. not by choice, but because I was going after my dreams. And my friends would stop reaching out to me and they would stop getting back to me. I would text them or call them or email them and they wouldn't respond. Mm -hmm. I'd try to like have a relationship still with people. But whether they were upset at me or jealous or whatever, thought that I was better than them because I was doing something and they were still kind of stuck in their bubble or whatever it is. It sucked because I was like, mm-hmm. man, I don't have these friends that I like played football with for four years or mm-hmm. we were living together in dorms or we had these experiences and now I'm chasing something I want to do and they're not doing it or I'm not doing what they want me to do and so they don't want to hang out with me anymore. It mm-hmm. sucked. Mm-hmm. So I learned early on that I was just like, I'm going to have to get really, I'm going to have to fall in love with myself mm. and be like happy going to dinner by myself and go to the movies alone. I did that for many years. Mm-hmm. And I hated it in the beginning. And then now I love it. Like I love going to lunch by myself, the movie by myself, and being secure with who I am alone mm-hmm. in the moment. Um, and I've just lost a lot of friends over the years because if they're not willing to support me and my vision like I do with theirs, then why do I need to keep trying to fight for a friendship mm-hmm. if they're just pulling me down? Mm-hmm. So I've said this many times, which is the most unpopular thing to say. I uh, My dreams are the priority. Mm-hmm. 
Because if I'm sacrificing my dreams for four or five people, and they're, those people are holding me back from living what I believe is what I'm supposed to be doing in this world, I'm always gonna be resentful and angry and regretting the fact that I never went for my dreams. So my dreams are more important than my girlfriend, than my family, than anyone. And it's the most unpopular thing to say, but I, I say it from a place of my dreams matter and I'm going to focus on them, but I'm also going to be there for my family and my friends and my girlfriend. I'm also going to give a lot of time and energy to them. It's not like I'm neglecting them, mm-hmm. but they just get to be on board with it. And if they're not on board with it, um, unless it's like the dreams I have are to hurt people or something, right. then I get it. Okay. Like, but if I'm here to like make an impact, and I'm still giving you a lot of time and energy. You can't just discount my dreams mm-hmm. anymore. When I'm giving you money, I'm giving you jobs, mm-hmm. I'm like there for you, I'm doing these things for you. So I think that's what it's, it's like the energy that your friends and your family gotta give you. Mm. And if they don't give it to me, I don't need them to give me anything. Yeah. I just don't want them to take something away from me. Mm-hmm. I don't need them, their encouragement, their support. I've got the fuel. It's nice when I get it, but it's just don't try to take me down. Mm-hmm. I, Chris and I actually completely have an agreement I, on that. You have an agreement, <laughs> so right? We have because I know if he's not, you know, you can use whatever words you want interchangeably. Souls calling, purpose, dreams. Yeah. I think they're all the same. Yeah. And I feel like when you are not stepping into your whole self, because I do believe that's a part of you that you're living into. Like we're just creating our lives to become more of us. So mm-hmm. we're creating you know, the things and putting the things in front of us. So when we're not, it's like we're suppressed. And what happens when you feel suppressed? I mean, like you're pissed off at your your girlfriend, your wife, your husband, your spouse. Like, I don't want to be that person. And you resent yourself. Yeah, totally. Because you're not doing what you want to do. And then you just are like, zap yourself of all energy. Yeah. So I think, you know, at the end of the day, it sometimes if you, it doesn't look good in the beginning, it doesn't, you're not going to be able to understand it in the beginning. But once you get over almost like that, Mm-hmm. having those conversations. And here's the challenge. I yeah. get, some people will say, well, you don't have any kids and you mm-hmm. don't have these responsibilities and blah, blah, blah. And I get it. There are certain responsibilities. The decisions you've made, you may have responsibilities right now. And you get to be in ownership of those things. I want to say just leave your kids and your husband because you have a dream now. Mm-hmm. Like You get to live with the responsibilities but also find a way to start fo- you know, the path of your dreams, mm-hmm. the things that fill you up in my mind. Otherwise, what are responsibilities? Yeah. So let me ask you this. So I, I just feel like looking back at our, our parents' generation, if they would have been more living into their purpose, do you feel like we would have gotten more of them and had a richer experience? Absolutely. And, I'll give an example. Yeah. When my parents got divorced, they should have never been married, first off. Mm. They got married when they were like 18 or 19 because my mom was pregnant. And then my dad wanted to have more kids. So I'm grateful they were married, but they probably shouldn't have been married after I was born <laughs> because um, it was just a nightmare. Mm. Every day, I remember stressful times. Passive aggressive energy between them. There wasn't a lot of love and connection. Maybe there was, but I'm just remembering the bad right. stuff worse, right? You know, I'm sure there were moments when I think about it that they were like loving, but for the most of the time, the, the big fights, the screaming, the slamming against walls, mm. the... You know, they're running out of the house and slamming doors. Like, those are the moments that I remember, mm-hmm. you know. The the thundering walk of my dad when he would get home and he'd be mad and pissed off about mm-hmm. something. It's just like, man, it never felt good. And then when they got divorced, it was like freedom for both of them. Mm-hmm. He was like the most unbelievable father. She was amazing. Yeah, they had some like challenges with each other still, whatever. But they were like able to go do what they wanted. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Wow like freedom Mm. and my dad was always the most fulfilled and happy when he saw me living my dreams Mm. as an athlete like when he was at my games he was having a blast and I think because he was able to kind of live through me the things that he never did Mm. so he got to feel like he was living that dream a little bit Mm -hmm. but then he went back to work and doing something he didn't love Mm. and was in a marriage he wasn't happy with Mm. and it's just like that sucks it's almost an, I mean, it, it's not almost, it is a new conversation like w- between people and between couples and between families of making sure that everybody's kind of doing, having their life within the life together. And what yeah, does that look like absolutely. now? Uh, Chris and I have that conversation all the time, especially, you know, budding brands and, you know, I'm sure you and your relationship, like, what is this going to look like? Cause you have mm-hmm. to have that. Yeah. And I think we're not having them early enough. Right. You know, it's kind of like that dreamy phase of like, 
until it gets weird, then you're like, crap, we didn't talk about this. Like, what is this going to look like when I'm going to put this first? Um, you know, and of course I want you with me. Of course I want you alongside yeah. of me. Yeah. So what does that look like for you, for you and your relationship? Yeah, it's tough. You know, it's been, um, to respect my, my partner in our relationship, certain things that she's asked me not to go in, but there's some things I can go in. Um, you know, I've made it very clear to her. And I think this is one of the challenges where I think she's just so used to seeing her family do things a certain way mm-hmm. where her parents are always together, you know, her siblings who are married, they're there for each other and the family. And that's just been her way of understanding life. Mm-hmm. And so when she sees this guy who's traveling and going out and like living his dream and doing something differently, not that they're not living their dream, but I'm doing it, I think, on like a bigger scale and I'm putting it out there more. I think it's just something she's not used to. And so we've had had different conversations of like, listen, you know, here's what I'm going to need to feel safe in this relationship, to feel mm-hmm. like you get me and understand me. Mm-hmm. So there's not this conflict when I'm out speaking or at an event or doing whatever I'm doing and there's people around me, I need to know that you're okay with it. Mm -hmm. Otherwise it's an issue for me. And then I get to listen to her and be like, okay, what's the, is there an issue for you? Like I need to know that I can go chase my dreams, but I also want you to feel safe and that I'm there for you. So what is that things, those things I need to be doing or how can we connect in a way so you feel comfortable Mm -hmm. with me living my dream? Mm -hmm. And I think both of us didn't know how to communicate that when I just felt like, she was, you know, maybe insecure or jealous or something in the beginning uh, of our relationship. I would just get defensive and be like, well, if you can't support me, then, you know, we're done, you know, whatever, you know, it's just like, <laughs> if you can't understand me, then right. screw it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was like, so, you know, it's just as much me needing to learn how to communicate as, as her. We just both mm. had to communicate differently. So yeah, I can't remember what the exact question was. But, <laughs> but that yeah. brings me into talking about dreams. It brings me into... Um, but I think I'll, to finish that, sorry to cut you off, if I am a people pleaser like you, mm. right? And so, and I have always wanted my, the, the women I'm in a relationship with to feel taken care of and loved and that I'm there for them. So I used to neglect my dreams to please my girlfriend. Mm. If they wanted me to do something, I would do that for them as opposed to do my dream or even worse the previous girlfriend when my dreams would happen she would get upset that her dreams weren't happening and kind of make Mm -hmm. it about her in that moment as opposed to let's just celebrate for a moment something cool that happened for me so I started discounting the things that were happening so that she didn't feel insecure Mm. and it made me feel like I can't talk about anything around you because all these things were happening for me and nothing was happening for her and I was like but every time I said something, she would get sad and depressed. And I'm like, how is that fun? You're yeah. just pulling me down, you know? Yeah. So it's like we need to have those conversations uh, and be around people who can fully support our dreams mm-hmm. or or just at least not take away. Mm-hmm. You know, be neutral is like all I ask, you know? <laughs> Say congrats, that's all I need. And mm-hmm. like, but just don't try to take me down because mm-hmm. that doesn't feel good. Well, it takes away who you are it's where your joy yeah it's know? like who are yeah. you supposed to show up as then you have to actually play somebody you have to be somebody mm-hmm. else then and that's like it sucks miserable yeah so okay so one of the things that you've been talking about with your new book um is that you were at the height of basically getting everything that you wanted yeah i can so really so i can so really you can't do right yeah, yeah so that's why when you but were on the talking cover of about all the of, magazines getting the yeah. awards everything and you're yeah. the most like you just felt like this is it or how did you feel? I felt angry. Yeah. Well, for the first day of, you know, I I felt great that I achieved something, but then I felt kind of like angry and lonely and sad in between. I hit the New York times bestseller list, but there's a bunch of stuff in the last few years, like just hitting different marks and different things and goals of my own. But it was kind of like during the book launch, last book launch when more and more came up because like going through some challenging times in the relationship and, um, these things that I wanted mm. that just weren't like it's fulfilling. You know, so the dreams you that I them, wanted. What did the what did you what did the picture look like? What did that what was I don't that know. supposed I to just feel thought like? like? I don't know. Like everything was gonna open up and things were gonna unfold like so easily or whatever <laughs> and like just like I could do whatever I wanted or something. I don't <laughs> yeah, know. It like, <laughs> was just a feeling or something. Uh-huh. And um when it didn't happen and I still felt like, well why am I still suffering mm. inside? Like why am I still unfulfilled? Like what's what is this? I think I just realized I was doing them 
to look good as opposed to like doing them to make an impact. Mm. And I was talking about this on, on Chris's podcast about, you know, when we fixate on just like making a lot of money or being like the biggest, fastest, strongest to, to increase our self-worth, it's never enough. Mm-hmm. Like if we just fixate on, let me make millions of dollars and then prove to people that I have the money and then mm-hmm. show it off constantly to gain my self-worth, it's like never enough. You always need more. Or even worse, if your money starts to go down, you're like so fearful because mm-hmm. that's your identity. It's wrapped up in your, you know, your self-worth is wrapped up in this thing, whether it be your material possessions, whether it be your health and fitness and like being on the cover of magazines. Mm-hmm. And when you don't get that anymore, you're like, well, how do I, I get love? Yeah. Am I, I worthy? Am I still oh worthy? Yeah. 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 So it's mm-hmm. like, we're constantly seeking these other things. And I just realized like, I need to find inner peace within myself mm. and be okay with whatever the results are for anything and just know that I'm doing my best on the journey and the process to make an impact. And when I started shifting my, my thoughts on like, I need to do all these things to prove to like myself or prove other people wrong or prove that I'm worthy enough to, I'm going to live my life and my dreams to lift others up and be an example and inspire one person mm-hmm. or as many as I can. It's just so much more rewarding mm. when I do achieve. And now when I achieve, I can celebrate it and enjoy it for you know, the day or the week or whatever, as opposed to, okay, what's next? I need more. I need to like fill it up even more. And, um, yeah, I'm still figuring it out. You know, I'm not perfect mm. and I'm still trying to That's figure the best it out. Part, though. Yeah. But I feel like, <laughs> I just feel like I have so much more inner peace. Mm. Like this book launch coming out now, like we were mentioning before. Yeah. I'd love to hit number one in New York times. I'd love to mm. even hit the New York times. Mm-hmm. And if I don't, I'm sure my ego will be a little sad and I'll be like, Oh, what could I have done differently? But I feel like I'm giving everything I can right now. Like mm-hmm. I feel like I'm doing as much as I can while maintaining balance in my health and working out daily while being there for my girlfriend and showing up to stuff that she needs me to be there for on certain things while running my business, you know, while doing it all. Like I feel like I'm mm-hmm. giving my best and um, I'm not as obsessed with the result like mm-hmm. I've always been in my life. Like needing the result, mm-hmm. needing the result. I'm so much more graceful about it what and I feel like it makes me more relaxed when I'm like living mm-hmm. so, I can actually feel it yeah like you came in and laid not, on the couch well like, I'm just like you know a book launch even like when chill. you're talking about mm-hmm. like how can we promote the book I was like yeah. you know what let's not promote mm-hmm. the book let's talk about anything that is going to be meaningful and add value mm-hmm. to your audience because they're either going to resonate with it or not and they're either going to mm-hmm. buy it or not but if we're talking about the book the whole time and like go get the book go get the book it's going to feel more frantic and mm-hmm. supposed to organic. Mm. And hopefully we just add so much value and focus on the value and then create an offer of people that they, if they want it, cool. If they don't, then hopefully this mm. is valuable enough and whatever, go apply this in your yeah. life, whatever this is. I think there's a freedom. I mean, there's such a freedom in that. I've learned so much just from kind of watching you in the last couple of years mm-hmm. and just, you know, because I always look for mentors in yeah. my life and the mentors that I want also, I want them to have a life that looks appealing to me as well. <laughs> not, not like just stressed like, out, like not they're just successful like they're in getting, one area. Yeah, exactly. They're not just getting results in one area, but I want yeah. to see that they're having fun and they have great relationships uh-huh. because I've learned so much that relationships are, they're everything at the end of the day. Cause it's kind of like you can get all of these great things. Who do you have to celebrate with? Who do you have to connect yeah. with? Who do you, it can be, it, I had a coach lonely. once, a fitness coach who would always tell me it's lonely at the top. And I was like, then why the hell do I want to go to right. the top? <laughs> like, I don't want to go to the top then. So you can actually get a fear around it. But I've just learned so much by, it's always, how can I give value? How can I give value? Mm-hmm. And there's so much in that that's fulfilling for you, for me, you know, whenever it comes from that place. It's the most selfish thing to give. Yeah. You know Dude, what I mean? Because you feel the best. Seriously. It's growth and contribution are like the... The, the art of achievement is those two things. It's yeah. like when we're learning and growing and we see progress in something we're working on, whether it be internally or a project, we feel fulfilled. And when we contribute, we feel, it's like the most selfish thing to do is to give. Yeah. You know what I mean? Totally. Because you feel like, oh, this feels amazing. It's like a, the ultimate drug. Right. And I think yeah. some, in the beginning of giving, sometimes I'm going to be totally honest. It's kind of like, okay, I'm going to give this because something will come back. Like something yes, will be great. Absolutely. And while that's great and it will, it's like if you focus on that still, it's almost like the giving without being with being so detached and being like mm-hmm. nothing will come back from this. So the joy is just right here. Yeah. And that's nice. where I'm like, oh, the joy is just right here. Like mm-hmm. when you're an athlete, you're like nothing may happen from this. So you better... 
like this moment or like what you're doing in the moment. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. So I want to know because I am actually obsessed with this book. Thanks. Yeah, I really love it. I was telling Chris because I'm super honest. I'm a Sagittarius. Yeah. I can't hey, help it. Bring it. Yeah, if it's not good, uh, <laughs> let me know. Sucks, Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> let me know. No, it's been such a like an easy, fun read. And when I say easy and fun, I mean because I can I can feel myself throughout mm-hmm. the whole like the stories and everything and all the different masks that you talk about. So I just want right. to talk about them really, really quick. Sure. Yeah. Whatever. Um, so tell me about the nine. So it's mask of masculinity. Yep. And I want to hear about the nine masks really quick, and then we'll dive into it. Let's see if I can recall them all. The I stoic mask, <laughs> the athlete mask, the alpha mask, the sexual mask, the uh, material mask, the know-it-all mask, the joker mask, mm-hmm. and um, what are the other ones? That was it? I think there's one or two more. Stoic, athletic, material, sexual, aggressive, joker, invincible. Invincible. <laughs> know-it-all and alpha. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Those are the masks. So... Did you come up with these because you know we, you've worn them all, or how does that? <laughs> I said, "What are all the masks that?" Yeah, I did a brainstorm session with a few people, and I said, "What are okay. all the masks that men wear?" Mm. And we kind of wrote a list of like all of them, and we're like, "Okay, well, that one fits into this one, and this fits in there, so let's break it down." And like, just kept going deeper and deeper, and we started giving them names. What does that even mean? What do they do in this? Mm. Oh, they're very sexual when they're constantly trying to conquer women, or mm. they're just it's they can't be in an intimate relationship, mm-hmm. or they're using their power like in Hollywood we're seeing where they're just harassing sexually mm. their coworkers or they're harassing actor actresses to, mm-hmm. to get them the part and they're using this false sense of masculinity to manipulate women. Mm. And so I was like, okay, that's the sexual mask. Mm-hmm. So we're like, okay, that's a thing. Yes. We've seen mm-hmm. this. Here's a lot of examples. So we came up with these nine masks and then I talked to different uh, psychologists that work with boys, men and you know, men of all types and I was like, can you confirm these? Would you change any of these? We were like, I've adjusted them all based on like research and from psychologists. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how we came up with it. Mm. Yeah. So when you were writing it, was there one that was like, you felt like you could have written a whole book on? Yeah, I or? mean, <laughs> well, here's the thing. All of them I've yeah. worn at some time in my life. And some of them I wear more than others. And specifically the alpha, uh, the athlete mask, the aggressive mask, and mm. the alpha mask. And I'd say sometimes the sexual mask, if I'm being honest. Um, but not in a degrading way, but in mm-hmm. a way of like, you know, there are times in my life where I feel like I always want more, more women, you know, mm-hmm. if I'm being honest, like more, mm-hmm. like I just want more. It's like, <laughs> it's like chocolate. why? It's like, <laughs> cause it's good. <laughs> it's not, I never want to treat women. I've never mm-hmm. been like, let me treat women bad and mm-hmm. like manipulate them. It's just like, Oh, I'm just the desire of like mm-hmm. what it could be like. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that's something that's, I've gone, I've faced. Uh, but the, uh, the athlete mask is something I wore a lot because uh, I was picked last on a dodgeball game um, when I was in elementary school. And after that moment, I decided, like, I'm always going to be picked one of the first. Mm-hmm. Like, I never want to be picked last again. So I said I'm going to become the biggest, fastest, strongest athlete I can be. So I can always be valuable and worthy of being picked first mm-hmm. so that they have to choose me. And it worked. These masks work when we put them on. They help us get results. Totally. I got results. I fixated on it. And it was never fulfilling still. It was never like rewarding when I would achieve those things athletically. It was always never enough. I needed to get more. I needed to be bigger, faster, stronger to prove. And when I would lose a game, it was like my identity was an ultimate attack. Because if I'm not good enough to win, then they're not going to choose me still. Mm-hmm. So I had to win at all costs. And I didn't know how to turn this off in life. I had to win at all costs after sports. Mm-hmm. In my relationships, I had to be right and win. In business, I had to be right and win. And it's a very unfulfilling experience when you always need to be right. Mm-hmm. And you need to win at all costs. Because you, you, there's a reward to that. You win and you're right. And there's a price. You hurt people. You're alone. You're isolated. Mm-hmm. Um you never feel enough, all these mm. things. You need to constantly hurt other people in the process. Mm. And um, so these masks, that was a mask that I wore a lot. Uh, the aggressive mask and the alpha mask I wore a lot. You know, mm. again, when my identity felt like it was under attack, like I would puff up my chest, I would mm. fight kids, I would try to defend myself because I never wanted anyone to touch me to make me feel weak. And, um, you know, 
Yeah. So these things were big effects, mm. you know, big mass. I was never like the know-it-all mask for me because yeah. I always felt like the dumb kid. So it's never <laughs> like, I know more than you. I was like, ah, I have no clue. But you see that in men and you see, you know, the comedians in life, the mm-hmm. class clowns, like there's always something underneath that. Mm-hmm. Like why are they constantly telling a joke? Why can they never just fully open up? You know, we talk about uh, Robin Williams in the book, probably one of the most famous actors, comedians of all time. Mm-hmm. One of the funniest human beings probably of all time. Mm-hmm. And yet his greatest performance was probably not a comedy, but was in Goodwill Hunting. Mm-hmm. And I can only imagine that's probably like who he truly wanted to be mm-hmm. most of the time was like this sensitive, thoughtful, intelligent, loving, caring, compassionate man. But every time he was around people, he probably always felt like he had to tell a joke mm. because they were always looking for the funny guy. Oh my God. And when he would open up, I can only imagine if he ever opened up and tried to have like a sensitive conversation, they were like, so yeah. when are you going to tell us a joke? Yeah, it's not why and to get I'm accept- to you. Yeah, mm-hmm. and to get acceptance and to fit into those people in the society, he knew he had to tell a joke mm-hmm. or make them laugh or do something, like do an impression because then they would love him and they would accept him and they'd want to be around him. So it's hard when that becomes our identity mm. and the world praises us for it. But underneath it's like, well, maybe that's not fully who I am. Mm. And so we tend to wear these masks to fit in and to belong. And you're talking about in your new mm-hmm. book about belonging mm-hmm. and building a tribe, a tribe of like who you really are, mm-hmm. of your authentic self, not the self, the fake self to fit in, but the authentic you, that's the ultimate tribe is when we can fully let go of these masks, men, women, any human being, and connect to people and have them see us mm-hmm. and fully get us and understand us. That's when true intimacy and connection occurs. And I think um, it's just a challenge for a lot of men specifically. And obviously you said, well, you could see a lot of women wear these masks too. But I think as men in general, don't communicate like women do as much. Mm-hmm. Where women get together every day and talk about their fears and insecurities or what they're afraid of or what's going on. And 50% of guys don't feel like they have a one guy friend they can communicate with mm-hmm. and share and express what's happening in their life, their relationships, what they're insecure about because they feel like they have to have it always together. Mm-hmm. So for me, I just felt like this was a meaningful topic to talk about mm-hmm. because of you know all the... Uh, the racial tension in the country right now, the Charlottesville, the marches, it's from angry, hurt men. You got the political leader, um, whether you agree with him or not, is creating chaos and is constantly reactive, right? Reactive and defensive. Anger, hurt, something. You've got the domestic violence that just you hear about it in the NFL or other major sports players. Again, men that are don't know how to express themselves in a healthy way. So they express it through hitting, through yelling, through aggression, because they don't know how to communicate. You've got the Vegas shooting. It's a man who doesn't know how to express himself. So he expresses himself through killing mass killing and then killing himself. That's his form of expression. You got, the Hollywood executives that came out recently about all the sexual harassment in Hollywood, this manipulation with the sexual mask. Mm-hmm. Again, not knowing how to either heal something from the past, always needing to do something to feel powerful as opposed to just communicating from a healthier expression. All these things that you see in the media are coming from hurt, angry men mm-hmm. or men that don't know how to express themselves. And you know, I put myself in the category of a man who's done hurtful things in the past and still react and have triggers. So I think it's our duty and responsibility to say, how can I be aware when I'm wearing these masks and realize the, again, the rewards I get from this, you know, the rewards that the executives in Hollywood got from wearing the sexual mask and dominating women is they got all these actresses to sleep with them or whatever it was, but the prices are, big right now you know you're getting talked about you're getting fired from the industry and you hurt a lot of people along the way so you just get to be aware of our actions and how they're going to affect people and if they're making an impact on other people in a positive way or negative way Mm. so that kind of goes into uh, there's this so there's a point where if you have big dreams and you have big goals 
and maybe looking back at your career, do you feel, and, and I feel like sometimes masks can be a way for us to actually help us perform. Sure. If we can use yeah, them. Yeah, of course. In a healthy way. Mm -hmm. Do you think looking back that you could have gotten to where you went without them? Or would you do it different now? So what would you tell an athlete now? Yeah, it's tough because the uh, the fuel of pain is some of the most powerful fuel. Yes. The fuel of proving people wrong and having that chip on your shoulder and like, I'm going to show you. And mm. it's like the most powerful thing. Mm -hmm. But it's just not healthy. Yeah. You know, you just can't sustain that mm -hmm. and feel good about yourself. So you've seemed to transform it now though. So I have. So because how can we transform that in the big, do you know what I'm saying? I do know what you're saying. <laughs> it's really tough because yeah. you need to have, I just have this, I've, I've changed the fuel. I have a mm. desire to make an impact now. Like I feel like every moment I'm not making an impact, I'm wasting the gift that I was born with. Mm. And the unique thing that I have, which no one else has, mm -hmm. and you have something unique that I don't have, I feel like I'm wasting it if I don't at least give my full effort today. Mm. And I don't want to die tonight and have to like reflect back and say, oh, 34 years of life, how much did I not show up or not give mm -hmm. or not like give an effort or not try to learn, not try to grow and, and give back. So my fuel is based on like the fear of regretting mm -hmm. at the end of my life that I didn't give enough mm -hmm. as opposed to I need to prove everyone wrong. So it's like, how can I lift people up the most as opposed to like make myself look the best? Do you think that came though because you reached the point of realizing that the goal was not? Yeah. The I think actual, that was, yeah, yeah. Like I achieved these things yeah. with the negative fuel and it was mm -hmm. like, Oh, it's not working over and over. for like a decade. It wasn't working. And I was like, well, I guess it's just the way you're supposed to, live life. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I guess this is how it is. No one told me these things. Mm. So it wasn't until I had multiple interruptions. And that's when I think that we're able to see things differently is when we have an interruption in our life. Mm. For me, it was moving to LA, going through an up and down relationship breakup that I didn't know how to get out of. I didn't mm. have the emotional capacity to leave because the intimacy was so powerful for mm. me. The sex, the mm -hmm. intimacy was like, I never experienced it. Mm. And I was like, I can't lose this. Mm. So I dealt with like unbelievable pain and stress every day mm. for like these moments of intimacy, right? <laughs> that were just more like lustful than anything. Yeah. But I didn't know how to get out of it. Mm. It was like months and months of like putting myself through hell. And I was like, why can't I just end this? Mm -hmm. Like what's wrong with me? I just didn't have the emotional was skills. Was it because that was like the most expressed that you felt? I think so. I mean, yeah. Just like felt like the most intimacy and I was like, mm -hmm. man, I was always looking for intimacy, mm -hmm. a powerful connection, but it was just like, it was not good. It was not healthy. And I had, I went through that and I was reactive on every other area of my life. I was like defensive with everything else in my life during that time. I got in this bad fight in the basketball court where I beat someone up and just like the business was kind of all over the place. And I was just like, it was a wake up call for me. Mm -hmm. After this fight and this relationship, I was like, what am I doing? Like, who am I? What am I doing? What's my purpose? Mm -hmm. It was an interruption because I was on mm -hmm. automatic. I was like, this is just who I am. Don't try to change me. And then I had a wake up call. And I think a lot of people get this. Unfortunately, when someone dies in the family, mm -hmm. when they have a near death experience, when they go through like a traumatic breakup or divorce, or they have some life altering like awakening, that's when we start to look at things differently about our lives. Unfortunately, it's hard for us to see it when we're just in the automatic. Mm. So luckily I had a wake up call that wasn't like a near death experience and no one else died around me to where I was able to do some work on myself, started going to some emotional intelligence workshops, started getting coaching. I went to therapy sessions. I was just like, I'm open to feedback. Like mm -hmm. anyone who can give me feedback, I'm finally open to it where my entire life I wasn't open to feedback. Mm. I was just like, this is who I am. This is my way. Don't try to tell me what to do. Were you afraid of feedback? Terrified. Yeah, <laughs> terrified. I didn't want anyone to judge me. I didn't yeah. want anyone to tell me I wasn't doing a good job. You know. What and do you it, think were like when you would picture getting feedback? What was the worst thing you pictured? Like, why did you not want it? I just didn't like criticism mm. in general. Like, I didn't like people criticizing me because I felt like I was always picked on my whole life. Mm. So it's yeah. just like I just want you to accept me for who I am. Totally. You know what I mean? 
And now I look at it differently. There's still times when people give me feedback where I'll catch myself and I'll get defensive and I'll yeah. try to be like, explain myself or whatever. And then I'm just like, all right, just listen to the feedback. Mm-hmm. Take it. If it resonates with me, cool. Use some of it. If not, don't. Like I get feedback all the time, unsolicited about my podcast, <laughs> yes, right? People yes. email me every day like, I love your show, but you could be doing this Oof, differently. Yeah. And I tend to jump in a lot. I get excited, which you've done a great job. And Chris does a great job of, of not doing that. Mm. And so it reminds me when I'm in an interview, I'm like, man, these people are so much better than me and not jumping in. Right. <laughs> we're so, we're, it's so funny. Cause I'm like, maybe I need to jump in more to get credit. No, no, it's great. <laughs> so, you know, people will make these little reminders for me and I'm like, okay, some of it I understand. And so I just try to take the best of it and see what resonates without my ego getting in the way. And, and apply it and I and I try to apply those things the feedback I get I try to apply what makes sense and it helps me grow you know I can learn from anyone mm-hmm. and if I'm not doing something that's effective for someone then I want to learn how I can make it more effective mm-hmm. if a listener of mine is not resonating then how can I show up differently so you use it now I use it a lot more You're- still not perfect <laughs> still get defensive same. still oh, like still way. like well you don't know me um well, yeah, and I think it's just it just flows better. Even when I get a lot of negative feedback, I have a coach who I would always get defensive online when someone would leave a mm-hmm. comment on my blog or social media, and I would always defend myself. Yeah. And one of my coaches was just like, "You need to just not respond to these people mm-hmm. ever again. Like, if the only thing you can respond to is by saying thank you for the feedback. Period. Mm-hmm. No explanation, nothing else. Just say thank you so much for your feedback." Mm-hmm. What are they going to respond to after that? Mm-hmm. They can't keep coming back with more. They're just going to be like, oh, he listened to me. Mm-hmm. She listened to me. I feel heard. Mm-hmm. That's what people want. So, yeah, I can't remember where I was going with this, but that's, feedback. Yeah. If feedback is, I'm trying to be a demand for feedback because that's the only way to grow. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really hard. Easy, really hard. <laughs> so I think you need to get it from people that you respect like and trust. <laughs> I think you need it from people you trust and respect. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. Just, but to be a demand. Because mm-hmm. again, well, this is just the way I look at it. If I want to make a bigger impact, then there's something I'm not doing right now mm-hmm. that's not helping me reach more people mm-hmm. or impact people with each thing I do. So what do I need to do to shift mm-hmm. or add on or let go of? Or mm-hmm. So good. Yeah. Okay, so who... Who is this... Who do you think ultimately when you were writing this book? I know that you wrote it a lot for, you know... Yourself, yes. <laughs> which is why I for me. wrote my book as well. I totally yes. get it. Um, you were echoing in my mind as I was writing this. I'm like, you know what? This is it's the it's the best way to write, though. Yeah. When, so when you were writing it, what were some things that maybe came up for you that you were not expecting? <sighs> Did you learn anything as you were going through the like you know what? massive learnings? The first thing that came up for me was that you said that is I was you know writing this for me and for men. Mm. And as I was writing this, my niece uh, opened up about being uh, gender nonconforming. Mm. And so they no longer have the pronoun she. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so we use they for Cammy as her name, Camille is their name. So it's not using the pronouns she, her, mm. hers. Yeah. Um, because. Cammy doesn't associate with being female anymore. Ah. So mm-hmm. I, just the ignorant guy that I am, started mm-hmm. to learn much more about, okay, what is this whole movement or just awareness around this mm-hmm. that human beings have been facing, whether they feel gay or straight or, or bisexual or gender nonconforming or they want trans, transgender. I just started learning more about all that mm-hmm. and I still have barely scratched the surface. Mm-hmm. But allowed me to realize that even though I'm writing this from a man's perspective for and about men, that it's also a human being perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, that human beings wear masks. Mm-hmm. And when we are able to understand the mask that we wear and how they support us and how they don't support us, then we're able to shift certain things to get what we want in life. Mm-hmm. And when we're able to understand the people in our life, the men in our life that wear certain masks, our fathers, our brothers, our boyfriends, husbands, and our sons who maybe are disconnected in certain times in our life, 
we can have the power to understand and be aware and then have tools to connect with them differently mm. so that we can have a deeper relationship with them and understand each other better. And again, coming back to a lot of the stuff we're seeing in the media this year alone, mm. the politics stuff, Charlottesville, racial stuff, the killings in Vegas, the domestic violence, the sexual harassment is from men who are wearing masks mm -hmm. that are hurt and who are driven to protect themselves mm -hmm. and to look good and be right and all these things. And so when women can understand this and not make men wrong for the mask they're wearing, but make them right when they're doing other things and mm -hmm. acknowledge them for the things they are doing well, then they don't need to wear the mask to fit in because mm -hmm. they feel accepted. They feel like you see them, you get them, you understand them. They feel like they can be more of that, more of themselves, as opposed to try to put on a false sense of identity. And I think that's why this was important for me and why it's powerful because unless men start to wake up and unless women start to wake up on how to connect with the men who are wearing masks, more and more of this stuff is gonna come out in the media, more bombings, more killings, more mm -hmm. political tension, more racial tension, more disconnection is gonna happen and it stems from men. Mm. So if you want this to start ending, you get to understand why mm -hmm. and be compassionate around it. Again, every man gets to be responsible for their actions, mm -hmm. but some men just aren't aware of certain things mm -hmm. and they feel like there's no other way and they have this weight of the world on their shoulders or on their, in their chest and that they feel like they can't express themselves in a healthy way because it's not cool, it's not manly, it's whatever it may be then they're gonna resort back to anger, defensiveness, mm. one of the masks. It was, so, it was so interesting as I was reading it because we, as women too, you know, you feel like you were put in a box or a category as a man growing up, but that's how we were also taught to see you as you were taught yeah, to see us absolutely. in a certain way. Yeah, it's crazy. So when we're relating to men, I was even thinking how I've put my dad or Chris, my husband into a box of, well, they're fine. Like, you know, they can, they can but take that's it. You, you can handle it. Like, so the words that you use, even when you're in an argument or when mm -hmm. you're trying to talk to them, you know, it's one of the things I wanted to ask you, Lewis, because I, I, you know, I do have the event with all women and I do so much work with just women because I mean, that's just where it kind of started. Yeah. That's where I naturally went sure. to. But now I'm feeling a massive responsibility because I'm, we're using these tools and these workshops to br crack women open. So now they're cracked open. They're feeling like they're more um, in touch with themselves and they go mm. back to these men who are not in touch with themselves and maybe they're, they don't know how to communicate. So they love them, but if they don't come along with them, they don't know how to bring them along mm -hmm. sometimes. What would you, what would you say to that? It's challenging. Cause when I was a kid, I was more sensitive than any girl I knew. Mm. Like when I was four, five, six, or ten, I cried more than girls. I was more sensitive. I was mm. more in tune and just aware of things, and I was very compassionate towards people. And then slowly, as a boy, I was told that wasn't cool, or when I cared about things, it wasn't cool, or I was being a little girl if mm. I was sensitive, or I was being a little pussy or a fag or whatever. And again, so men, boys, want to fit in with other boys and feel like they're just accepted. And when your mom tells you, like, make sure you show up with a big heart at school, and then you do, and you get shoved in the locker for it, you're like, well, I'm never doing that again. Yeah. Like, now I need to get bigger, I need to be a bully, I need to like hang out with the bullies so they don't bully me. Mm. And that just continues to be conditioning over decades. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing, when women say they want their man to open up and express themselves, mm. but then when a man finally does once, and the woman's like, well, I need you to be strong in this moment. I need mm -hmm. you to not freak out because I'm freaking out. So you can't, I need you to be strong. I need you to man up in this moment or whatever. I'm just making an example. Mm, I've done that. Yes. It's like, okay, mm -hmm. so you're telling me that anytime I feel something, I can't share it with you mm -hmm. anymore. Because even if you told me you want me to, it's only when it's convenient for you, not when it's convenient for me as well. It's only like at night when you're okay and now I can say it. But guys have just as much sensitivities, I believe, mm. as, as women do. Mm. At least I did growing up. And um, we don't have it all put together all the time as well. Mm -hmm. And so we feel like we have to otherwise. And women are so influential in men's lives. You don't understand how influential, at least from my point of view, it's like I always want to please my girl. Mm -hmm. You know, I want her to be happy. And if she's not happy, what can I do to make her happy? Mm. 
She's like, I need you to have it put together. Okay, if that's what's gonna make you happy, I'm not gonna feel. I'm gonna have it put together, I'm gonna be strong for you. I'm not saying this is happening in my relationship, I'm just making an example. And um, so when you get upset, if your man's not open, when you come back open again, look at how you've conditioned him over the years, potentially, to make him feel like it's not safe for him to Mm -hmm. open up. And he's gonna need proof over and over again for him to feel like he can open up. So you get to create a safe space where you're just you two and you can just really let your guard down and allow him to let his guard down to just start having a, a conversation where maybe he's sharing small things to start. Like you can't expect him just because you're open after like a three-day mind-blowing, heart-opening experience mm-hmm. that he's going to feel that. <laughs> but focus on like, and this is something you could coach them as well, like get excited about the small wins. Mm-hmm. Like, Ask them, is there anything that's frustrated you lately in your career or a job or at your work? Is there anyone that's like pissed you off? Like, and let him just like to start to open up about things that maybe frustrate him. And then is there anything, you know, next week that's you've been afraid of Mm. either in your career or this or that or or something in your health? You know, don't make it about your relationship yet. Just make Mm. it about him and his life. What's happening with him? Mm. Just say, is there anything that's going on? And just let you know, babe, I'm always here for you. And listen, and just let him share mm. and allow him to share and do it in like a safe environment when his guard is down, when he's not on his phone, when he's not thinking about work, when you guys are maybe taking a walk or you're like mm-hmm. on a bench by a, in a park, when you get away from the norm, allow him to open up there and just express and don't push him to mm-hmm. do it. Just allow. Mm. And you get to lead by example not by freaking them out by like bawling and you know having your heart so open and expressing everything mm-hmm. but just by being like gosh baby like i've just been really struggling with this and you know i just want to be able to share with you for a moment and just have you listen to me is it okay if i share mm-hmm. and you say yeah okay it's okay and just don't overwhelm mm-hmm. right away start small mm-hmm. and focus on acknowledging the good that he's doing in his career, his job, at home, with the kids, whatever it may be, focus on the good that maybe you don't acknowledge enough. Mm-hmm. Because when we are acknowledged as men and as women, we feel like we can, be, we can do more good. We want to do more of that when we're acknowledged for something. Mm-hmm. And don't fixate on, why don't you ever open up? How come you never share? How come you never talk about these things? Why are you so disconnected in this moment? He's probably thinking to himself, I'm working my butt off 10 hours a day to provide for us and the family and to pay for this place and to do these things. And, and why don't you ever fixate on those things mm-hmm. and acknowledge that? You focus on the things you're not getting, but focus on the things that are great about me. Mm-hmm. So those are a few ideas to start with. Mm, so valuable, so helpful. Um, yep. I mean, those are t- just a few of the things you've said I've even started to really touch on because I think what happens just as human beings in general is we we might think of someone all the time and adore them and think they're amazing but we just don't acknowledge it and say Uh it and it's we forget that men because we have them in that box of they're good they're good they've got this I think we do that to a lot of people who we just either think are amazing or the men in our lives and then we forget that they need it just as bad if not more because they're out there I think we're I mean we're human beings and all Mm -hmm. human beings are very sensitive in my mind Mm -hmm. We've been conditioned to be tougher. Mm. Um, but if you are have a challenge of saying it because you're not comfortable saying certain things, then write it. Mm. Write a handwritten note and mm. say those things. But I think eventually, if you want to reach like ultimate intimacy, you have to be able to verbalize these mm. things and look someone in the eyes and, and tell them because it's the most uncomfortable, it's scary, it's vulnerable, all these things. But that's what drops your guard. You lead by example by being vulnerable mm. And you allow them to have a safer space to open up as well. Mm, so good. All right. So who do you ultimately want this to read your, to read your book? Hmm. I mean, all the men who are hurt and feel like the weight of the world on their shoulders, I'd love for them to read. The challenge is, I don't know if they'd be open to reading it. <laughs> so what women need to get this yes. book to? <laughs> so I think, I think... You know, I love the women who have those relationships where they feel like, man, it's just hard to get through to my boyfriend or my dad or my son or my husband or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I'd love for them to get it, maybe even just get the audiobook and listen to it while they're around and mm. say, hey, or just go over like one chapter or one exercise with someone and say, what do you think about this? Let me read a, a paragraph and like 
Mm-hmm. Let me hear what you think. And just start having the conversation. Whether they read the book or not, I think the conversation is important to have for helping relationships heal. Mm-hmm. If we can help men heal, I believe relationships will be stronger and there won't be as much violence in the world. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, whether men read it or not, I think if women are aware of it and understand the men and why they're doing certain things, I believe you have so much power as women with the men in your life mm-hmm. without them even knowing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You can shift your energy a little bit and it'll make them feel safer to be open up without mm-hmm. even having to ask. Mm-hmm. And I think that's like the ultimate woman is someone who can shift the energy so delicately with the man in their life, the men in your life. They don't even have to make a request. Mm-hmm. They just show up in a way that's like, they just start doing what they need. Mm-hmm. I think that's so, I, yeah. when I was reading it, it was, I, I will say, I think it's, I think it's for everyone like equally. Mm-hmm. I mean, you may have written it for yeah, men, but yeah. I I was able to look at every man in my life and understand them more. And I think any woman who is a human being <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. has men in her life, whether it's yeah. a son, cousin, a, a boss, whatever it is. And even just, I think hearing those stories on such a vulnerable level just made me realize how much all the same throughout the world that we are. Uh-huh. And it made me feel more, um, just more willing to share myself right. to, um, work with more men too. Cause I think we can always put ourselves in box, boxes, boxes as well. Yeah. So it was really empowering actually for me to read it. That's and great. I love it. So Thank I you. think it's going to be a massive, massive help for. Appreciate it. Even if the women don't have, you know, significant others. Yeah. I think, I think women are going to just think it's fascinating. To yeah, understand it is. Them. It totally was. That's I was like, oh my God. Yeah, yeah. amazing. <laughs> so it was really, really good. So Lewis, I just want to thank you and acknowledge you for all that you do uh, for us in the world. And I just want to say personally, because you have helped Chris and I so much and it's made an impact on all of the people in our lives as well. So I appreciate mm. you. Uh, you were truly my first podcast mentor. So if it weren't for you, we wouldn't be sitting here at all. So you're amazing. And I'm just so grateful. So you guys, I hope that you go and get this book because you get a little piece of Lewis um, that you get to read about. Mm. So thank you so much. Thank you, Lori. I appreciate that. And where can we, where can we get your book? Maskofmasculinity.com, Barnes and Noble, Amazon, anywhere you want to get it. Yeah. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. And you guys, if you love this episode as much as I did, make sure you share it with your friends. And until next time, earn your happy. Bye, everyone. Thank you guys so much for spending this time with me on the Earn Your Happy podcast. I am so glad that you stopped by. If you could take one second to share this episode with someone you think would love it, that would be absolutely amazing and we would be forever grateful. Also, please leave us a review if you feel so moved by going to iTunes and leaving us an honest thought, an honest comment. Tell us what you think. Tell us what you want to hear more of. It would really help us out on our journey to helping thousands and thousands of people. Until then, don't forget to earn your happy. Thanks again, guys. Bye-bye.